book of Luke chapter 2, and today is our Christmas focus service. <clears throat> book of Luke chapter 2, when you got it, say so. We'll begin reading in verse 1. It says, and it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governor was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was on the house of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your great grace. We thank you so much for your mercy and for your love. And Holy Spirit, we just ask you today to speak to our hearts, Lord God, to give us ears to hear what you are saying to your church in this place today. I pray that we would not just be doers or hearers of the word, but that we would be doers of the word, God. I pray that we would be stirred as we look at the birth of our Lord and our Savior. We give you all praise and we give you all glory. In Jesus' good name, someone said, Amen. you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Can you turn those lights up in the back, please, so it's not so dark back there? I don't want anybody falling asleep. Amen. So we are here today and we are focusing on Christmas and what Christmas is about. And Christmas is a couple of days away. How many of y'all are 100% ready for Christmas? Raise your hands. All right, how many of y'all are going to be shopping like Christmas Eve? Glory to God. Yeah, amen. See, a lot more of us, right? And so we really know the reason for the season. We just wait for the last moment to really get aggressive to go shopping for the last time right before Christmas. But the reality is we want to focus on what Christmas is about and what it's supposed to be about. And for me, when I look at Christmas, Christmas really is a special time of year. And the reason for this is because it is a time of rejoicing for some, but it is also a time of sorrow for others. For those that are rejoicing, they're rejoicing because they're spending time with family, with friends, at church, parties, and, and dinners, and different events that they're spending with family. And then there's other people that they're just sad and they're broken because they're not spending time with family. They've lost family members. They don't have those people with them this Christmas that they wish they could be together. And so they are in a time of sorrow. And so when I look at these two totally opposite positions, one of them of rejoicing and the other one of sorrowing surrounding this day that we call Christmas, it always begs the question for me and always makes me ask one question. What is Christmas really about? What is Christmas really about? What is it really supposed to be about? Is it supposed to be about the tree? Is it supposed to be about the lights that I hate to put up? Amen. So my neighbor was up on a ladder the other day, and I was coming. I was pulling into the garage, and as I pulled into my garage, actually, I, yeah, I pulled into the driveway, and I looked back. I went and grabbed the, the mail, and I said, man, you're a better man than me. And he was like, man, I hate doing that. I said, you know, we need to design something. You can't take this, all right, this patent right here, okay? We need to design something that, that like, looks just like your house because it looks real. And some of you, and, and listen, I've never been to your house if this is your home, but it looks kind of ghetto when you keep your lights up all year. I'm just saying, right? It looks a little crazy. Some people do that because they hate putting them up, taking them down, so we just keep them up. But it would be awesome, right, if we could, like, create something that, like, flipped, like, transformers, like, boom, 
Like hit the button. It's Christmas time, and boom, the lights come out everywhere you want lights. I'm just saying we could do, we could design something like that, right? Building fund, amen. Glory to God. And so ultimately, we we you know we think about what is Christmas really about? Is it about the lights? Is it about the tree? Is it about the gifts? I remember when I was a kid, you know, my grandmother was the only one who was Christian, a practicing Christian in my home, and so she did her best to make sure we went to church. But Christmas for me was me laying in a bed and I was trying to hear because once I realized and listen all the little kids in the room, plug your ears up real quick. Close them up. Close them up good. Say, close them up. Got to close them up. You got to close them up real good before I say this next thing because you can't. All the little kids, all right? So I knew that Santa wasn't real. So anyway, so you can take them out now. So ultimately what happened, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, right? Mess someone up. But ultimately what happened was because I knew that, I would lay there in the bed and I was like, man, I want to hear what they're rapping. And like I could hear what they were rapping, right? Like I would know what it was. And so I would lay there until I couldn't lay there anymore. And then about two or three o'clock in the morning, I'd fall asleep. And as soon as the sun came out, glory to God, I was up waking my mother up. And mind you, if I fell asleep and she was still rapping gifts, remember what I said, my grandmother was the only practicing Christian. So guess what they were practicing? Some coquilla, I'm just saying, right? right? They, they were practicing some stuff. So they definitely didn't want me waking them up, but that's what it was. That, that's what Christmas was really about to me. But for us, when we think about this, us as Christians and us as parents, what do we make Christmas about for our children? Do we make Christmas about them or do we make Christmas about Jesus? In our everyday life, do we make, and, 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 and especially during this season, do we make it about Jesus or do we make it about other things? And so what we find is this, I, I look at this, and so just to give a little bit of history, I like to give a little bit of history. I'm not a history buff or anything like that, but the question is, where did Christmas come from? Because there's a lot of people, there's some, I call them the Grinches, you know, they don't want you to celebrate any Christmas, you know, Scrooges, they don't, they, you shouldn't even celebrate it, all this kind of stuff. And they come up with all these negative reasons why, but I'm just give you a brief rundown of the history of Christmas where it came from. Real brief, it's going to be like, you know, two or three minutes, hours long, I don't know, something like that. Um, but where did Christmas come from? The exact date of Jesus' birth is unknown. How many of y'all know that? Right, right, so don't think. Jesus was really born on the 25th. He could have been. It, it could have been, but here's the thing. There is no proof either way as to when he was born. So the Bible doesn't give us any specifics on that. But in the 2nd century A.D., a Roman Christian historian named Sextus Julius Africanus, amazing name, calculated that Sextus Julius Africanus. I like that. That's just, I like saying that. So he calculated Jesus' birth date to be December 25th, and he figured nine months. I don't know how he figured this part out, but he figured out the night that G, that, that Jesus was conceived. So he went from the night that Jesus was conceived and went forward and he figured December 25th. And so in spite of the assumptions, say assumptions. There was assumptions. There's no guaranteed proof as to when it was. Africanus line of thinking, the date was widely accepted. And so you fast forward a little bit, a few centuries. At that time, Roman culture already celebrated a holiday on December 25th. And this is why people think that we should not celebrate Christmas. So December 25th was Saturnalia, and that was winter solstice. And so this tradition honored Saturn, the god of agriculture, and was celebrated with merriment, with feasting, and giving of gifts. And so it sounds a little bit like our Christmas. And when Rome eventually instituted Christianity as a state religion in the 4th century, the Roman church converted Saturnalia to a Christian holiday in order to commemorate Jesus' birth, and Christians have celebrated as such ever since. 
And so there was this pagan day that they were worshiping another god. And when the Christians were there, they decided that in the Roman Catholic Church, they decided to make Catholicism and Christianity the, the, the religion of the day and of the city. They said, you know, we're going to sanctify this day. And rather than worshiping Saturn, we're going to worship Jesus. So is there a problem with that? I don't think there's a problem with that. I mean, it could be. You may take it that way. But here's the reality. They took a day, and they wanted to sanctify that day. And what we should do is we should say, hey, glory to God. We get to be reminded once a year of what? The birth of our Lord and our Savior. We get to reflect, and, and we should continuously be reading the Bible, but we can take the season, and the season is called Advent. Pastor Chad mentioned it, I don't know if it, when he was praying, when he was talking, but ultimately during this Advent season, the season that the sun came, during this season is when we remember this amazing story of the birth of Jesus. Christmas should be a time when we use, that we use to remind ourselves, say remind ourselves. You see, when we look at this, when you look at the calendar, the calendar is set up in certain ways, the Christian calendar I'm talking about, that gives us opportunities to really remind ourselves of certain things. When you come around the Passover time, you come around the season of Lent, and you get around there, that reminds you of those, those days before Jesus' death and all of the time that was spent there. And so what happens is we are able to take this time of the year to really reflect on this amazing reality of what we're going to talk about today, which is the birth of Jesus. And so the creator God, this is what Christmas is about. If you don't get anything else out of what I'm going to say today, I hope you get more than this. But if you don't get anything else, get this right here. It is that the creator God became part of his creation and shared the gift of our and, and, and shared the gift of salvation with us. It all started in that birth. Hear me when I say this. You cannot celebrate the death of Jesus without celebrating the birth of Jesus. If there is no, there is a reason why all of these Gospels, the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all record to some, some degree they're talking about what? Jesus' birth. They talk about that. There's a reason for that because it's important. Amen? And so it's important that we have that reality. And so during this season time, we should share the gift of our Savior with others. Above all else, we should not allow ourselves to be sucked in to the commercialization of our, that, that our culture tries to bring around Christmas. In other words... Is it wrong to buy gifts? Say no. Is it wrong to get in debt over gifts? Say absolutely yes. It's okay to say no even during Christmas time. Amen? It's okay. I know. And, and listen, for me, this is tough for me. I'll tell you right now because growing up, like I told you, I would lay there. I didn't always get what I wanted for Christmas because we didn't have all that much money. Plus, there were six of us. Hello. Right? And so I know what it's like to not want to say no during the season, but it is, it, it is okay for us to say no during the season, but, but we cannot get sucked into that commercialization or to the propaganda. And so I have this video that I want you to see, and here's the question that I want you to ask, to ask yourself is, why do you celebrate Christmas? So the question for you is, why do you celebrate Christmas? Is it, is it for those reasons, because of this amazing Savior, and we see in this narrative here, in the book of Luke chapter 2, that's what we see in verses 8. And so verses two through, or verses 1 through 7, we find the recollection of how Jesus got to Bethlehem and how he was born and where he was born at. But then we see beginning in verse 8, and we'll read some of this together, verses 8 through 10. It says here, it says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around 
around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. And so the title of the message this morning is Not Just. And so repeat this after me. Say, This was not just another night. And so if we could for a moment go back to that day when these sheep or these shepherds were out in the field. They were out in the field doing the same old thing. They didn't go out there expecting some visitation from angels. They were probably hoping, man, we can't wait until this night is over so we can go home and we can get some rest. But what an awakening that they had. These angels appeared to them and woke them up out of whatever um, days they may have been in to proclaim to them this glorious, this glorious gospel. When we look at this, I think that this is really important because the first proclamation of the gospel that we see after the birth of Jesus is this one. And so the first people to hear the gospel were not some rich people somewhere, were not some well-to-do people somewhere, they weren't some perfect people. The angels didn't reveal themselves to the Pharisees who were the religious people of that day, didn't reveal himself to the scribes, the religious scholars of that day, didn't reveal himself to those people who you, who you would think that he would reveal himself to, but who he reveals himself to are these people called shepherds. And these shepherds are not known for honesty. As a matter of fact, they were accused many times of, 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 being, un, of being dishonest and of using fields that weren't their own to, to graze in. And so they were looked down upon in their society. They were outcasts. And so the beauty of this, the first thing we see in this gospel proclamation is what? We see that Jesus shows us whom we should be proclaiming this gospel to. He shows us that we should be proclaiming the gospel to those people who least expect it but most desperately need it. That we should be those during this season that the same way that these angels come in unexpectedly, we should be those type of people that are the ones that are coming unexpectedly during this season into people's lives with this great message of great joy to all people. Say to all people. Because he said that this was a message. What he does is he shows us clearly that this is going to be a message that is going to be of good tiding, which will bring great joy, which will be to all people. Say all people. Say not some people. He said to all people, and so everyone who will hear this gospel, this is supposed to be good tidings. This is supposed to be good news. This is supposed to be something that is bringing them the opportunity to experience what Christmas is really about, which is that God dwells among us, that God dwells in this place. And so the first thing that we see is that this wasn't just another night when we're looking at the Christmas narrative. And so when you sit down and you think about this, don't just read past this so quickly. Put yourself in that position. I think a lot of times the problem with us when we read our Bible, the reason why we don't get excited about anything is because we read it so quick. We just want to run through it. We don't want to sit there and meditate on it and think about what is really being said here. Do you understand these guys are standing out in a field, these glorious and amazing angels come down and proclaim to them something that is amazing, that is beyond their understanding, and it wasn't because they were deserving, it wasn't because they were worthy, it wasn't because they were asking for it, waiting for it, it was simply because God is good and he is merciful. And so he proclaims this truth unto them. The second thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, this was not just another birth. This was not just another birth. Let's read ahead to verses 11 and 12. So the angels communicate this. For there is born to you, say to you. 
For there is born to you, meaning that this is something that is personal, this is something that is for them, there is born to you this day in the city of David a, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloth lying in a manger. And so this wasn't just a regular birth announcement. Like when, I, when, when, when your children are born, you know, typically there's a little thing that you might get that says, it's a boy, it's a girl, it's twins, it's quadruplets. Hallelujah. Right? Like the, the more children you have, like it gets a little bit more intense, right? The proclamation or, you know, a little deeper the groan. I don't know. But anyway, at one shot, I, I could only imagine what having twins would be like. I have one. My son, he, my son is, is able to literally keep both my wife and I awake every night. Just one child. If we had two of them, I don't even know what would happen. But anyway, oh, 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 glory to God. I thank God for him. But the truth is, this wasn't just a normal proclamation of birth. I mean, I remember my daughter was born. I mean, I was excited. And, you know, she's born. And, you know, everybody, you know, whenever you're, nowadays we have this technology. And so, you know, you start texting everyone. You know, he's here. She's here. And this is what the weight is. This is what the size is. And then you're like, where's the picture? And they're like, we're waiting for the wrinkles to go away. Waiting for it to be picture worthy, right? I know all babies are beautiful when they're born. Amen. Hallelujah. So we'll move on from that point. I believe that, you know, we all believe that. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But ultimately, this wasn't just a regular proclamation of someone's birth, but this was a proclamation of someone's birth that would change the world completely, but also immediately. And what was this proclamation? He said, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior. Say, a Savior. That word savior in the Greek is the word soter, S-O-T-E-R. And what that means is a rescuer, a deliverer, someone to save. Now listen to me. When I come and say that there is a savior to someone, what I am saying is when I say you need a savior, I am saying, hey, man, you are in need of saving. And usually when you tell someone I'm saved, they're going to say I'm saved from what? What do I need to be saved from? And so they, they noticed that the shepherds weren't like, well, hold on a second. What do we need a Savior for? Because this is the beauty of when, when the gospel is preached to someone who recognizes their position. They're not coming up with all these excuses like, well, I don't need that gospel. I don't need that Savior. I don't need to be saved. I'm okay. No, we're not okay. We all need the salvation. And so what he was saying is he said that in this city of David is born a Savior. Someone who is going to rescue. Someone who is going to deliver. That's the reason why the bad news and good news of the gospel must be equally preached together. Because when I come to you with just the positive side of the message, the good news side of the message, you never understand what you need to be saved from. Because you're still walking around thinking you're good, you're thinking you're cute, you're thinking you smell good. Hello? Right? You're thinking like, well, I would be a, a blessing to the Lord. I'm just saying that's how some people feel. Like, well, if I got saved, I'd be this great thing. Hold on a second. You need salvation. You need deliverance. I need salvation. I need deliverance. No matter how talented, how gifted, whatever it is that I may be, I need the saving grace of God to come into my life because all men have fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us that is sitting in here has fallen short of the glory of God. None of us measure up to God's standards of holiness. And the result of that is that we are these lawbreakers who are going to spend an eternity separated from God. And when we understand that reality that he 
eternity is a long time. It doesn't like have a period, like a span, like, well, I'll be there for a couple of years. Eternity is forever. From the moment that you enter into eternity, you are there for the rest of eternity. Hello. And so when we come to that, and then I hear about this Savior, this Rescuer, this Deliverer, when I hear that, then I understand, oh, hold on a second. There's someone to save me from an eternity separated from God. There's someone who came, and that is the one who was born Savior, but he doesn't just call him Savior. He goes on to say something else. He says, Christ, Christos, the Anointed One in the Greek, he says, Christos, the Lord. The one who is God, Kurios, the Lord, the one who is ruler. And so we see two things of Jesus' character immediately. This baby in a manger is Savior, the rescuer, but he is also the anointed Lord. He is also Lord. And so when we come to Jesus, Jesus must be what? Savior and Lord of our lives. Not just the rescuer, but he also must become Lord of our lives. He must sit upon the throne of our hearts. And so when we look at this, and the one thing that I, I think I told you this, but we're talking about the whole light scenario in my neighborhood. My neighbor across the street, he's putting up lights, but I have a new neighbor that moved in next door to me. And for Christmas Day, or a couple days before Christmas, my wife and daughter, they were outside, and they, you know, because I told you that I hate putting up lights. And so they were out there putting up lights, you know, and they were climbing on ladders and it's pretty awesome. Um, I, I wasn't there to witness all of this, but I, my daughter told me some stories. So ultimately, they are there, and they are putting up these lights. And so, you know, I'm like, well, it looks really cute. You know, they have some stuff on the bushes. They got some wreaths up and all this kind of stuff. And so my neighbor next door, the, I don't know, a couple days later, he starts putting up his stuff. And when I tell you he put up some stuff, he's got like three layers of stuff. Right. He's got like snowman, like, like um, what's his name, Frosty. Frosty's up in the front vibrating and, you know, singing some songs. And then he's got um, Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse and Donald Duck and all of them in the back row. They're like singing. They, they sing all kind of Christmas songs. It's pretty cool when I pull up and stuff like that. And he's got lights. He's got like reindeer. He's got angels. He's got, I mean, this guy has got everything legit, right? told my wife, I said, all right, next year we're going to take it to the next level. See, I'm, I'm going to get into this, right? I feel like that movie, I don't even know the movies with Danny DeVito where they're like competing, right? I ain't going to go to that level, though, because I ain't got time for all that. But I said, you know, we're going to do this thing because, we, we, you know, we, we used to have a nativity scene and it, you know, went bad or whatever. And so I'm like, we're going to get our nativity scene. We're going to get our little star. We're going to put it up there. We're going to get this thing. Jesus is the reason for the season. We're going to knock it out like that. So that was the idea. The reason why I bring this up is because when you think of nativity scenes, when you drive by a home with a nativity scene, it brings you back to a picture like this, doesn't it? It brings you back to that moment. But be honest with yourself. Does it make you stand and pause and stand in awe that that baby in the manger was God Almighty? See, the truth of the matter is, is that while I love nativity scenes because they show at least what Christians are celebrating, they don't automatically strike the awe in our hearts as to who is really laying in that manger. It doesn't really wake up the reality within us. I'm, in, I'm on, a, on a scripture chat with a bunch of guys, and so one of, the, one of the guys that leads the scripture chat, you know, he puts different devotionals up, and he's putting Advent devotionals up all these last few weeks, and when he puts up the one devotional, he asks a question. He says, you know, does the nativity scene, the, the, the birth of Christ, does that strike on your heart, or really does it not do much for you? And one of the people was like, well, you know, really, man, to be honest, the birth story of Christ doesn't really do as much for me as Jesus cleansing the temple. 
And I said, yeah, I can understand that because the picture that you see with Jesus cleansing the temple is pretty intense. It's like very intimidating. Jesus comes to the temple. He has a whip, and he is like flipping tables, and he's running people out. And so that's really intense. And then you look at that picture, and then you look at a baby in swaddling's cloth lying in a manger, and it's like, man, I don't see the awe that is supposed to be struck there. But that's because you didn't take time to read the whole narrative. Because you didn't take the time to really reflect on what really, really happened on that day. What really occurred in that manger scene. And see, here's the thing is that it is this grandioso reality of Emmanuel. Say Emmanuel. Emmanuel. It is God with us. The prophet Isaiah declared that, that, he, he, that, that his name would be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. And so here is the truth. The Christmas story is not about a baby in a manger, but about God who became flesh and dwelt among us. It's not about the wise men. They were there. But it's about the all-wise God who is dwelling among us. It's not about King Herod, but about the King of Kings humbling himself to dwell among us for our salvation. It's not about... The these shepherds that we're looking at, but about the chief shepherd who dwelt among us and allows us to know his voice and calls us his sheep. It is not about the gifts that are under the tree, but it is about the greatest gift that dwelt among us and hung from the tree. It is about a God who demonstrates his might in his humility, taking the form of a baby to dwell among us and yet still runs the universe. I mean, think about that for a moment. God is bad enough to say, you know what I can do? I can come down, put on swaddling clothes, and guess what? My throne isn't shaken. I'm still almighty. I'm still all wise. I'm still answering prayers. I'm still able to hold the world in my hand. I'm still able to move the way that I desire. See, that's what the nativity scene should strike in our hearts, that we should really contemplate. God dwelt among us. God came to live among us. That's what happened when we're thinking about Christmas, is our God came to dwell among us. He came to live among us. He put on flesh to be among us so that way he could bring us the salvation that only he could bring. So he could bring us the deliverance that only he could bring. As we celebrate Christmas, focusing on the birth of Jesus, it gives us a great platform to share with others the amazing reality of the God who dwells. So here's the beauty of this, is that Jesus didn't just dwell among us then, he still dwells among us. He still dwells among us. The third thing I ask you to repeat after me is, this should not just be another Christmas for you. This should not just be another Christmas for you. The writer continues to, to say here, verses 13 to verse 20. He says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, 
they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those, say all those, who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that, he, that they had heard and seen as it was told them. And so notice this, when we look at this, this message that is given to the angels, this is the same message that you and I have been given. Are you here? This is the same, the same message that the angels give these shepherds is the same message that you and I get. What is it? It is peace between God and man. That's the Christmas story, is that God came to dwell among us so that way man could have peace with him. Why? Because man does not have, I just talked about this a moment ago, man, because of our sin, we do not have peace with God, no matter how cute we dress. Hello. No matter how many gifts we buy, no matter how many good things we do, no matter what, we do not just automatically have peace with God. But the reality is that God brings a message that brings peace, brings real peace, not the peace that the world gives. I like what one of the writers wrote. He's a Stoic philosopher during that time. Um, Epictetus is what his name is. And he said, while the emperor may give peace from war on land and sea, he is unable to give peace from passion, grief, and envy. He cannot give peace of heart for which man yearns more than even for outward peace. And see, while this world can give you outward peace, right, if all your bills are taken care of, guess what you're not thinking about? Paying bills. There's food in the pantry. There's food in the refrigerator. You have clothing. Guess what? You're not thinking about all of those things. For those of you that are married, the marriage is good. You're not worried about your marriage. For those of you with children, you're not concerned about your children if they're acting right. But see, what happens is you can have all of those things firing on all cylinders. Everything seems to be good and still lack the peace inside of your heart. Because that peace only comes from us knowing God from us responding to this gospel message. I want you to think about the word peace because this is the message that we have been given. The Jewish word is the word shalom, and it means, it means much more than a truce in the battles of life. It means well-being. It means health. It means prosperity. It means security. It means soundness, and it means completeness. It has to do more with character than with circumstances. And so what happens is I can be at peace and my circumstances not be peaceful. See, I can have a peace which surpasses all understanding guarding my mind and my heart. Why? Because of the prince of peace who is not just savior but lord of my life. You see, when Jesus is Lord of my life, then I walk in a different type of peace. I walk in a different type of security. I walk in a different type of understanding. And so it is about the character. And I've said this before, peace is not a feeling, it's a person. Jesus is that person who brings us peace. See, when you look at those times when Jesus came on the scene, life was difficult during those times just like they are today. Taxes were high. Are taxes high today? I'm just saying, hello. Unemployment was high. You think unemployment's high today? I'm just saying. Morals were slipping lower. You think morals are slipping lower today? The military state was in control. Is the government controlling stuff? At least they're trying to. Mm-hmm. All right. So it looks like, I'm just saying, if we look at the two pictures, 
Those days in Rome look just like these days in the United States of America. And so what that would tell me is that we need the same peace that they had. You see, Roman law, Greek philosophy, and even Jewish religion could not meet the needs of the hearts of men. Then God dwelt among us. He dwelt among us. You see, the same way the gospel message was declared and verified, notice what these shepherds did. These shepherds heard the message. Now, you would, you would think, I mean, they, they, they could have just went right from hearing the angels. I mean, I think that's pretty supernatural. Wouldn't you say, amen, I'm just thinking, right? Angels appear to you. How many of you have had an angel appear to you, seriously? I mean, seriously, like how the comments, no, probably none of us, right? If you have, you may, it's all right, I'm just saying, but most of us have not. I think that phenomenon is pretty great, right? To see an angel proclaiming a message to you, that would be pretty moving. But these guys weren't completely moved to faith by that and like going out and proclaiming. What did they do? They went from hearing the message from the angels to then going where the angels said to go. And when they went there, they verified the message. Hold on a second. It was exactly as these angels said. And then they did what? Then they went out and they made it widely known to everyone. Why? Because they were excited about the message that they had heard and was verified. And now they were sharing it. My question is sincerely, are you really excited about Jesus? Are you really excited about him? Here's the thing. Whenever you have a good gift or you're going to get a good gift or give a good gift, most of us, we have problems containing it. I'm just saying. I told you about my wife. I love her. I don't know if she was here when I told, her that, told you all this before. But she has problems keeping secrets from me. And I'm talking about gifts. I'm not talking about anything you've entrusted to her. She keeps those well. I'm talking about gifts, things that she buys for me. She gets so excited as she wants to see. And, and I don't even understand why she gets so excited because I'm like the total opposite. Like I get excited like that's awesome. And she's like, you don't really like this gift. I'm like, I love this gift. And she's like, no, you don't really like it. I'm like, babe, what did you want me to do? Like, do backflips? I don't know what you want me to do here. I love it. But, you know, ultimately, the thing is, she gets excited, and so she wants to just give it to me right away. Why? Because there's excitement about the gift, not just the gift. But listen to me when I say this. There is excitement about how the gift is going to touch my life. Are you hearing me? It's because of the love that is in her heart toward me that she gets excited, and not just about the gift because it's so great, but because she knows the gift, even though I don't do the backflips. She knows my heart is doing backflips, right? And because she knows that, she wants to share it. it. It has to be the same thing for you and I when it comes to Jesus. Do we really believe that this gift that we have can alter people's lives? Do we really believe that the message that we have can alter people's lives? Listen, church, that to me is what Christmas is all about. And so the same way that the gospel message was declared and verified and changed those shepherds, so God wants our lives to be a continual, a continual declaration of this gospel message that we can proclaim during Christmas. I have one more video and then we'll wrap up. Stand to your feet with me if you would, please. And here's my closing question for you. I hope and pray that you will take seriously the admonition that God is with you. You may not have all the money in the world, but God is with you. You may not have all the answers, but you have the one answer that matters most, and that is God is with you. And there are many people out there who need more than just a gift. They need more than just money. They need more than just Christmas lights and a Christmas tree. They need to know that God cares about them, and he has given you 
and I that message to share with them. And so my closing question is this. What will you do to ensure that this Christmas is not just another Christmas for you? Whose life will you change with this awesome gospel message? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much. We thank you for your great love that you show us. We thank you for the power that there is when we reflect upon what really happened at your birth, Jesus. God, today I come to you with my brothers, my sisters, guests in this place, Heavenly Father, and I just pray that you would remind us in the depths of our heart what Christmas really is about. That you would help us to realize that you are with us, never leaving us nor forsaking us. That we would go forward, Lord God, as ambassadors of light, as bearers of truth, Lord God. I pray for those in this place that do not know you, God. I pray that today that they would recognize their need of being rescued, God. That they would realize that if they died this moment, that they would be separated from everything that is good, from everything that is loving, from everything that is, that is life, Lord God. That they will spend an eternity separated from you, God. That they would repent of their sin, that they would trust you as the rescuer, but also that they would surrender to you as Lord. I pray, Lord Jesus, that during this Christmas season, that your light would shine brightly through us as it did through those shepherds, but even more so as it did through that manger, God. And Lord, that lives would be changed as we celebrate you. We give you praise. And we give you thanks. In Jesus' great name, someone said, Amen. come on, give God a hand of praise. He's worthy.